Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Tech Talk, a podcast where we talk about all things tech. We don't just talk about the technology part of it. We also talk about how our society and culture is impacted by said technology. Today is a special episode. We have a couple of guests with us today, the co-founders of Bubble.io, Josh and Emmanuel. Uh, thank you both for joining our podcast today. Uh, I am very excited to know about Bubble as a product and what, what kind of service consumers will expect to get. Um, I, I mean, as a procrastinator myself, I sort of intentionally abstained from researching about bubble.io so I can reflect the exact questions our audience will ask because, you know, I, I, I want to ask the same questions that someone who doesn't know about bubble would ask. So that's my excuse for not <laughs> knowing about bubble. So uh, I'll, I'll start with... Uh, what is Bubble? And uh, if you guys also uh, introduce yourselves, uh, let's uh, start with Josh. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having us on Tech Talk. My name is uh, Josh Haas. I'm one of the founders of Bubble. And to sort of answer your question, um, I think of Bubble as a tool for letting anyone, not just a trained computer programmer, but anyone create software, specifically web applications. So if you want to make the next, you know, Facebook or, you know, tw Twitter, uh, you know, is going through some hard times, maybe it needs to be replaced. If you want to take a stab at that, we let it be possible for a non-programmer to do it. And I'll hand it over to Emmanuel to introduce himself. Yeah, so uh, Emmanuel Strashnov, uh, and I'm the other founder of Bubble. Josh and I started working in Bubble on Bubble 11 years ago now. Uh, and the, the, the I'll add one thing to Josh's definition about Bubble. I think what we're trying to do is to make code not necessary for maybe 90, 95% of uh, the use cases to this that require code. So code is not, it's still meant to stay, you know, but it should be used only in like very rare cases. And for the rest, we should be using visual tools. And I hope it's Bubble. So that's that's re I've, that's what I'd like to hear, to be honest, because I have tried to learn like hardcore programming since I was a teenager, but failed consistently for years. And I think it's decades now that I still am not able to have like really proper grasp on you know uh, programming languages to build standalone uh, standalone applications. But I definitely do have a lot of ideas about various applications that would help people um, and, you know, it, it might be quite popular in different ways, in different industries, etc. But uh, I never had this opportunity to sort of make my ideas into reality because I lack that that core competency of, of uh, being able to have that, you know, being able to code like, you know, like a hardcore developer and uh, it, it's really sort of um, refreshing to know that there are solutions exist that that could help me bring my ideas into reality, but not having to, you know, um, learn something that's probably I'm too thick to understand. Yeah, I I have a I have a actually a past experience with Bubble because uh, me and my friends during lockdown we thought okay let's create an app, and we we none of us knew coding. And we thought, okay, what's the best way to do it? So I started learning how to code and I started building an app using HTML and CSS. 
but one of my friends he uh, looked at bubble and he said but you can create something using bubble and we actually created the whole app on bubble so we created a database we created the logins we created uh, we integrated with sendgrid so it was kind of oh. amazing um, like uh, like you can launch something very quickly like if you have an idea you can build something and launch very quickly so my experience was good but then i have i have questions around my experience as well later but mm-hmm. uh, i just wanted to ask you why the name bubble i mean it's a low code platform bubble is very interesting so what what does bubble actually signify here yeah so for us we our, our mission right is to make uh, software creation really accessible and we wanted a name that sort of reflected that something that's like light airy friendly um you know not non-threatening right because you know like a lot of people are intimidated by writing software and coding sounds super technical and we want to make the point that you can create software without it being super technical so you know bubble is short it's memorable it's you know it, it's an easy word to 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 hang on to and it kind of gives that that impression and that that was kind of why we went with that for the for the name another good thing that we liked about this name is that we see bubble as being much more than what it is today i mean today you know we're one tool to build web applications but we think in the long term bubble should be much bigger than that because there are so many places where we can empower people to do more uh, in simpler ways um, with, with technology and so bubble is a name that can evolve with that you know like uh, when we started a lot of people would name uh, would have named something like this you know app builder app inventor in fact it was some products and we we didn't want to do that we wanted to have something that was more generic and that could be applied in many different contexts as long as it's around the mission of empowering people nice so so that's interesting because uh, i mean uh, i mean one of the things that uh, we face because i i come from a non programming background is that okay you want to build something you have an idea how do you scale it up but i think one of the challenges and you mentioned that you don't want bubble to be just a app builder but one of the challenges we face is these days you have you build a website but the website should work on a mobile device as well and that that's the biggest challenge and we had to then uh, use bubble to modify it so that it works on the mobile platforms as well so what was your initial thought process behind creating bubble because i know that it's web app but then do you have plans in uh, or does it now work with building apps that works on uh, desktop browsers laptops tablets and then mobile devices Maybe I can start talking about why we chose web, and then Josh can talk about uh, mobile plans. Uh, we chose the web because since at the beginning, and I still think it was the right call. Uh, web co- co- includes mobile in a sense that you know most of the things that you know uh, mobile. I mean, in fact, pretty much everything in the backend that the mobile app would use uh, is the same thing that the website would use, and there are many aspects um, in terms of technical architecture that are simple by starting from the web. Uh, and also if you can do mobile web, you can do mobile web, which gives an entry point into like the web uh, mobile platforms. And so it felt like the right call. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There were times because the company is 11 years old where I was like, you know, oh, maybe it was a mistake or something. Now, knowing what we know today, I, I'm very convinced it's the right call uh, to move, uh, to start with the web because it was a way to entry mobile. Uh, it was a way for us to see what people wanted to build on mobile to start learning a lot of things before uh, moving into uh, into more definite native plans. I'll, I'll let Josh talk about that because we, we just had a, our first user conference um, like this week in New York. And so we actually made some announcement on mobile. So, you know, there's something, uh, some exciting stuff to announce today. 
Yeah, yeah, this is a funny timing for this question because, um, yeah, we flew for the very first time our entire uh, user base together for our first ever conference. So we called it BubbleCon, which is amazing to see everyone in person when we've been sort of interacting with them uh, over the internet. But yeah, one of one of the, the biggest announcement we made during BubbleCon is that 2024, we are going to ship a true native mobile builder for Android and iOS. Um, and the concept there is going to be very similar to our web app builder. It's going to have all the same backend functionality, the ability to serve, you know, like you, you mentioned, you had like, I think, talked to like SendGrid, like they'll still be able to do the same kind of API integrations. Um, but the uh, actual builder itself is going to be really native to the phone so that, you know, when you build a iOS app with it, it really feels like something that belongs on iOS. Or when you build an Android app, it'll really feel like something that belongs on Android. So this is one of the biggest things we're going to do in 2024. And we're, we're super excited. Um, as far as desktop goes, that's probably a project for another year. I, I would love to do it. But, uh, you know, what, what, one thing at a time. Definitely. Absolutely. So, so one of the things, as um, someone who's who's not actually familiar with Bubble before, I mean, uh, you've used it, which is which is amazing. I mean, it, it you know it, it probably feels really good to have used a product and then be able to sort of talk to the founders of that product. But I, as a if if I was like a, a consumer who don't know anything about Bubble, so the the question that comes to my mind is. What are the example? I mean, we talk about web app, but you know, there could be so many variations of web app and what we, then there is mobile app. So what would you say your flagship web app is that everyone would know that was built on, on Bubble? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of our marketing challenges because you're right, you know, web applications can be any type of applications. I would say, Usually, and then I can give specific examples, but they fall into like three main categories. Uh, it's either some kind of a social network, you know, uh, like, you know, Twitter being a social network, Facebook being a social network, being like a platform where you're going to have users meeting, like a dating app, for instance, is a, a kind of a social network. Um, and so that's one major thing we're seeing because you people tend to use Bubble to start companies and build customer facing products. And so social network is a big thing uh, again social social platforms let's say are a, a big thing um that people are thinking about when they start companies we also see a lot of you know marketplaces uh so you know you think about airbnb for instance is a typical marketplace that you would uh you would think of where you have you know sellers and buyers exchanging things and the entire transaction uh, happens on the platform a lot of our users do that and then the the last case the last category we're seeing which is a little bit more diverse uh in itself it's people building software as a service products that then they distribute to other businesses so this these web applications are usually you know subscription based so someone would provide a service it can be you know a tool that lets you build invoicing can be a tool that gives you access to like a particular uh in fact one of the stories we were discussing at bubblecon was this ai company that created a proprietary ai model and built the entire thing on bubble giving access to you know the most recent models depending on their needs and it's uh to non-technical people and that's something that people can access through a subscription-based service uh on our platform uh, it's called Seedflow AI. That's um, a typical example of a startup that you know doesn't know how to code, needs to build a product that would require engineers, uh, but instead of requiring engineers, they use Bubble instead. I would say that that's how I would really summarize what Bubble can do. When there is already a tool on the market that, and you can do something without code, 
it's usually not when people go to Bubble because Bubble can do more, which means there's usually you know more customization, meaning a little bit more work to build. And so if there is already like a SaaS tool um, that lets you build your where you need without uh, code, that usually not with Webbubble shines the best. Webbubble shines is really when you're thinking, okay, I really need to find a technical co-founder or I really need to go to a local dev shop to have them be on my product. Um, and usually it's very significant amounts of money, by the way, that are required then. That's when Bubble shines the best. All right. That, that's actually, I mean, what you mentioned is quite complex sets of solutions like marketplaces and social networks. I mean, I can imagine the, the level of, you know, the, the technical expertise that would be required to sort of get something off the ground of, of, of this kind of things. So how would you, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the social networks like Facebook or or marketplaces like Amazon, they, I mean, you know, once a company is hopefully successful, which started off on Bubble, um, as they start to scale up, they would want to probably uh, containerize each of their services, like probably using Kubernetes or other other services, and then also try to get analytics and other things that Azure probably or AWS probably provide. How is that something that Bubble also provides or how, how would one scale up if they started in Bubble and then now they, they need all of these different services that are usually industry standard? Yeah, so our vision is to make a lot of that behind the scenes for you, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, um, the direction that cloud hosting platforms are going in is towards becoming more of a commodity. I mean, that's kind of what Kubernetes is in a way. It's like, a, you know, taking each of the individual clouds and making everything very, very standardized. And we're sort of taking it a step further, not even having to worry about like which containers you have, but having the bubble backend behind the scenes, like, you know, our users don't necessarily know that, like, you know, there's a bunch of servers that are running and that we have to add more servers or shrink servers, depending on usage or volume. We try and take care of that that for them. Um, so that's, that's our strategy on scaling. Um, bring it in-house um, so that the the person building the application can stay focused on the product themselves and doesn't even need to acquire some of that, you know, pretty expensive and complicated DevOps uh, expertise that you that you need to you know interact with a product like Kubernetes. Oh wow. That's 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 really amazing actually cuz I mean what makes what makes me think is that if someone an entrepreneur started a business and they started taking off they probably wouldn't need to hire a CTO anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean um I I have follow up questions because uh I we had the same issue. We built Bubble and we we scaled up our database. We were getting a lot of our orders. And by the way, our app was a marketplace app. So mm-hmm. uh, in the pandemic, what we saw is that there are a lot of these uh, people who are cooking at home and they are coordinating on WhatsApp to uh, take orders and then they needed some analytics. So we thought, okay, we can be a marketplace where the chefs can advertise their menus and the people can uh, come in and place the orders and they don't need any login. They just place an order and they uh, get ahead with the, uh, uh, I mean, collection. And uh, what we enabled is we created the front end for the customers and the 
like a self-service portal. So we created two different uh, portals and we started getting a lot of orders. But then for us to get the analytics, we had to, I mean, uh, I mean, at that time, it was two years back. So that time, I'm not sure what analytics was available, but we had to customize the analytics. Like we had to write the queries from the database to uh, populate the data into some different table and then read and display it to our users. So I, I just wanted to understand like, uh, is that something that has been solved or is it something that is going to be solved in the future? So <laughs> I don't know when in the last 11 years they were in customer service, <laughs> to be honest, but there you go. <laughs> That's a, there's a customer service question for yeah. you guys. <laughs> because yeah, I, 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 it's I, a typical uh, user scenario, right? Your yeah, database becomes yeah, too big and then you want the analytics and uh, you are struggling and then you have to customize the solution itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a great example. I, I I love your your story of building app on mobile because it's very very typical of what we see. Someone who has a business idea that like you know totally makes sense would be super expensive to get off the ground by traditional methods, and they're able to bring something up. And yep, uh, analytics is a hundred percent a common need, right? Because like when you're having like a growing business, you need to like understand what's going on with it, right? So our typical solution is to make it easy to integrate with third-party analytics providers, right? Like, you know, we try and be a central hub for everything you need to get started, but, you know, we're not going to provide, um, you know, analytics as strong as, um, you know, a company that's like devoted their entire product to it. We want to make it super easy to integrate and push your, push your data to it. Um, we do have some capabilities for building it in-house. It sounds like you played with them and discovered that you could do it, but it requires some work. And, you know, it'd be nice if there's like a more out-of-the-box solution. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for for that, like we kind of rely on sort of our uh, ecosystem of integrations. One of Bubble's um, more powerful points, in my opinion, is that um, it can talk to basically anything. So, you know, you sort of get the the benefit of sort of the full sort of software as a service entrepreneurship ecosystem supporting what you're building. Cool, cool. And uh, the other other part was, uh, I mean, I was I was thinking. I mean, there is Bubble, and Bubble makes uh, making websites simple. And we also thought about WordPress, but we never actually use WordPress. So, is Bubble trying to compete with WordPress because WordPress is the biggest builder of web apps in the uh, on in in the in the world, but how does Bubble compete with some a platform like WordPress? Because WordPress is now also providing solutions, uh, maybe not uh, as uh, complex as Bubble, because Bubble has I think better capabilities. WordPress can build uh, simple websites, uh, but when it comes to more complex websites, then uh, WordPress again requires a lot of customization. So how does Bubble compete with say something like WordPress? Yeah, um, I love WordPress. I built my uh, personal homepage and my own blog on it back on, on the day. It's an, it's an amazing piece of software. Um, we, we don't really view it as a competitor, right? Like, you know, thinking to like what you described, what, what you built on Bubble, I think it'd be very, very, very hard to do on WordPress. Yes. And most of the people who choose Bubble wouldn't really be able to make WordPress work. I think, you know, WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, like all these companies are in the in the space of 
really helping you get to like a website or a portfolio site or a blog, um, I think they're great. Um, we're not really going head to head with them because they're solving sort of a very, a very templated problem in many ways. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to sort of expand the, the barriers of possibility and let people build things that weren't previously contemplated by the the creators of the platform um we so you know whenever someone asks us who who our main competitor is we usually answer code right because it's really that custom development custom software piece that uh that we're really trying to provide a, a better answer for so so yeah love wordpress not really competitor um but but amazing software and certainly worth checking out if uh you know if your needs are a fit for it Right. That that's that's really good to have this kind of understanding of of um of of the product that you guys founded. Now, I I am kind of quite interested to know the the journey of uh, Bubble and you guys as as co-founders. How did you come up with the idea and what was the most of the challenging part in the last 11 years as you mentioned that that Bubble is up and running? So yeah, give us a, give us a sort of a brief on the on the journey that you experienced. Uh, yeah, I, I'll take a step of that. Um, or maybe Josh, you want to talk about the origin idea, and then I can talk about the journey. Um, yeah, uh, so so I came up with the idea originally, um, and then Emmanuel joined me very shortly thereafter, um, and we've been working together now for what twelve years. And even in a half. <laughs> 11 and a half, 11 and a half. Feel, feels like 12 years. Um, and uh, it's great. We, we actually got introduced uh, via mutual friend and um, is very much like a spontaneous decision to work together. So I'll let him and I'll tell the, the full story of that if he wants to. But um, yeah, I, I got the idea originally because I was sort of playing the role of the technical co-founder helping sort of the kind of person who would have been one of our early customers, like a non-technical entrepreneur with like a clear vision for something he wanted to create and, um, you know, no real means to bring it to life. So I, I partnered up with him. I, I built his product. We, we went to market, discovered, this is one of my first lessons in business that like, you know, if you can't, if your customer base is super narrow and you have a hard time reaching them, it's hard to build a good business. So the startup didn't really succeed. But one of the things I took away from it was, you know, why couldn't my partner have built this himself? Like it actually might have succeeded as like a small lifestyle business for him had he been able to to run with it without like needing to bring on an engineer like me. Um, and yeah, I kept on wrestling with that thought and I sort of realized, well, you know, there is no reason he should be able to do it, right? Like he could, he could say exactly what he'd want the computer to do. He could say like, you know, this is what it should look like. This is what should happen when I click here. It's just that the vocabulary that traditional programming gave him was too complicated. It wasn't simple enough to let him describe it. So I had the idea. Um, a friend put me in touch with Emmanuel and I don't know if you want to talk about how you got involved in this and sort of the early days. Yeah, I mean, I... It, it, it was a very sudden decision on my side because when, when we met, um, I knew I wanted to work in tech, but I didn't think I could be starting a business in, in the US for uh, for some immigration reasons that I'm not sure the audience is aware of. But it's it's not super straightforward to start a company in the United States if you're not a US citizen or a permanent resident. Um, and so we met for coffee, but I really thought 
that was just like a, some networking coffee because uh, yeah, I didn't think it was possible. And I already had found a job actually uh, that I was pretty excited about uh, at a startup in New York. And, you know, three hours later, uh, this was a long coffee. Uh, I decided to turn down the job and uh, work with Josh instead, not knowing what I was doing really on the immigration side. But turns out there are ways uh, to solve your problem uh, from an immigration, your immigration problem if you want to start the company. It's not simple, but there are ways to do that. Um, and then it's difficult to summarize, you know, 11 years in a few sentences. I'll give very the main phases because we have one thing that is pretty unusual uh, that I think it can be pretty interesting for people listening to us. Not necessarily something I would recommend to uh, replicate, uh, but for the, the unusual thing in our history is that we didn't raise money for seven years, which is not is not very usual, but it's not the most extraordinary thing. Uh, the, the weird thing is that for five years, it was just Josh and I, like it was just the two of us basically built, doing everything without um, scaling the team or raising funding, uh, which is... Has for and cons. The, the pro is that it's extra. It's an extraordinary way to be extremely focused on uh, solving the problem of your users because you don't do anything else basically. Like you don't spend time, you know, talking to investors because you don't raise money, and you don't hire and manage people because. And that's you know today when I look at what I'm doing today we have 150 people, so the company has changed a lot. Um, basically what I'm doing is, you know, managing and hiring people. But back then it's not what we were doing. We were both like really heads down building the product. And so we had the ability to iterate extremely quickly, um, in a way that I think was very important for us, uh, in the early year, the early years, because people at first had concerns about tools like bubble. Like people have tried to that for a long time, you know, telling people, oh, you can build anything you want without code. And the reason there's some skepticism is because often it didn't work. Uh, in fact, more, I think bubble is the first time that it actually truly gets somewhere like really far. Uh, it got very far. And so it was important for us to remove limitations as they were happening at first. And for that, you need to execute very quickly. And so I, that's why I think it worked well for us. I'm saying I'm not necessarily recommending to spend five years with just your co-founder. I mean, you probably want to start thinking about scaling the team a little bit uh, sooner than that. After five years of working together, we started building a team without raising money. So, you know, bootstrapping, looking at, you know, how much money we're making, how many people we can hire. So we got, I think, to 12 people bootstrapping. So it's almost like feels like a small business in some ways, you know, like scaling pretty growing pretty quickly because it's software and so if you do well in software you can actually have a pretty exciting growth rates but it's not like we would you know add you know 20 people per year like you know it took a couple of years to get to 12 people um and then after that and that's early 2019 we we moved into I would say the dark side of venture or the bright side of venture, depending on how people want to see it, uh, which is venture backed world where we started, we did the first round from a venture capital fund and, uh, which was not back then. It was a pretty large round compared to our size at the time. Today it doesn't sound as big. I think it was about like 6 million. Um, and two years later, when we had like a real acceleration, like a lot of in the companies in the tech space, I mean, that's when the pandemic hit. Uh, where we saw a lot of people trying to reinvent themselves and learn new skills and in particular launch companies online. So it was for us like a huge boost in terms of adoption, uh, in 2020, 2021, which led us to raising, uh, a very significant round at time because we took about 100 million, uh, in 2021. And so now we're more of a traditional, like growth stage venture back company, which, uh, it's the same product, same founding team, same, same mission, actually. Like we haven't pivoted it anyway, but extremely a very different way to do things compared to the first, you know, five or even seven years. That's wow. a very exciting That's journey. 
very very exciting journey because absolutely think- and one of the things i i noticed in the in the beginning of the story emmanuel as you were saying it is 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 a repeating pattern i i i see in all of the sort of the successful success stories that at one point in the beginning that they, they had taken a like a massive risk and uh that you know at that time they didn't know what was going to happen but then yeah leaving your job and then uh, uh you know giving your your 100% to this one thing that you believe in that that really paid off and uh, again i mean you know personally myself i i i am really scared and i feel like how how is that uh, a decision how is that how could that be a rational decision but then again um you know there 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 are actual uh sort of repeating example of of this working out quite well so yeah that's uh that, that that's like i think a turning point in in uh, life I, of- i actually think that for the first like 18 months or two it is if you can if you don't have a family like if you don't need to su- support a child you know going to school and eating every day and you're happy you know eating junk food because it's cheap in new york i would say it's not irrational to start a company for the, at, at first because you know uh, i think the, the business world now looks that pretty well like oh you tried something you know it gives you like an interesting skill set um to join a company people will appreciate that having failed is not necessarily like seen as oh my god i'm not going to hire that person because he failed as an entrepreneur everybody knows it's hard and so you're gaining some experience and 18 months is not too long i would say the real risk starts being in the longer term like you know and i started feeling it you know after four or five years when i would see uh, so i didn't work before i was graduating from business school i would see my classmates from business school after five years seeing where they were in life and everything and then i was like oh actually if bubble doesn't work out then you know what did i do for all this time uh that that's where i think there is a real risk and that's where it becomes a little bit irrational to keep going and in our case i think it was irrational actually but at some point this is called stubbornness i think founders tend to be very stubborn uh we started to do something we had users already depending on us and so i don't know if it was a rational thing to do uh to keep going but it's just i never considered that we could really stop doing it because people were depending on us and we were stubborn but i would say and i think it's important for people um i'm assuming some people in the audience are um thinking potentially about starting companies i think in the early again early months early years like maybe the first couple of years in today's world people tend to value a lot these kind of experiences and i, I could almost say it's a rational thing to try out again provided that you can afford living on your savings uh, with a cheap lifestyle i mean in our case that's what we were doing uh f- for the first like couple of years and don't put your family at risk and uh, that's why you know a lot of founders tend to be pretty young because that's a time where you don't have a family to support yeah yeah i think uh, that's one of the Sorry. things that happened with us as well like uh, we uh, three of us we started and uh, none of us had children and that's why it's easy to start on the idea but over the journey we had kids and then the idea took a like a it it just went very slowly and then to add the have the commitment to dedicate for this product then it became very difficult so now the good thing about the solution that we have in bubble is that it's completely automated we don't have to look we don't have to do anything it just runs and we know that it works and it's uh, really great so i mean bubble has worked really well for us but then as you mentioned that um, it's it's a risk uh, when you start something like that so we took a risk and it didn't work out but we learned a lot of things so yeah i think it's a, there is a good lesson there so uh 
moving on from the journey uh, i wanted to understand like on so you have built something called low code app that can build these things what is this app built on and how are you i mean you, you don't have to say the technologies but i mean it's it's interesting like how things work behind the scenes like how do you make it so simple for people to create uh, these apps on scale yeah i mean it's it, it's not a huge secret i'm i'm happy to sort of chat about how it works um so our tech stack is actually not super exotic we use amazon web services for cloud hosting we use uh, node.js for our servers we use um you know database technologies like postgres and redis and you know a, a few other things but it's sort of the same tech stack you'd see at a, at a lot of other companies and the sort of secret sauce or special ingredient is when you're in the uh, bubble editor and sort of editing an application what we're doing behind the scenes is we're creating essentially a document that describes your application so like you know describes like you know here is each page of your website here is everything that happens on that page here's what happens when a user interacts with it and that document we store in a database and then when uh one of your users or your customers comes and visits your application we pull that document up and we kind of read and interpret it on the fly so to say like okay um you know they're trying to visit this page let's pull the data for that page and then we quickly convert it to html and css behind the scenes and draw it in the user's uh, web browser as they need it so that's kind of the the, sh the short version of uh, of what we're doing to make it work Wow. Wow. That, that's really uh, good to know that kind of insight. I mean, part of it did go over my head because I, I just mm -hmm. am not smart enough to, to understand all of that. But actually, it, it is, uh, I think our audience would really, really um, enjoy knowing about the back end because um, curiosity is what we have all in common and we want to know how it works, even if we don't always uh, can replicate it. Now, Obviously, talking about this, I, I wasn't aware of Bubble and its on the potential possibilities that that could happen. So I've been sitting on this idea for I don't know how long, but the idea I have is um, basically an Uber for ice cream vans. I don't know what what you have in um, US. I, I was only ever in US for a couple of weeks, but in here in London, what happens is ice cream vans in summertime comes uh, sort of runs with with the sound that is, and then you have to. I mean. I'm not a child, but I, <laughs> I am a child in, in many ways. And you have to like for people who lives in flats and even who are in houses, I mean, you have to literally run, leave everything that's happening to be able to catch that ice cream van uh, if you want, uh, if you want one of those. But if I knew the locations and uh, sort of who, which vans are in proximity to me uh, at any point. Uh, if I looked at a map, I think that would be really helpful, and it would be helpful for ice cream vans to sort of gain more more sales because uh, people who are who wants ice cream from ice cream vans, and those are like special ice cream van ice creams are uh, a lot more tasty, tastier in in my opinion, and uh, they, they they would 
potentially have more sales. And this is an idea that I had because I have this, this issue in my life. I need ice cream than ice cream in summertime. Um, but I never had the time or expertise to, to do anything about it. In, within our audience, if, you, if any of you want to take my idea and create into a reality, you're absolutely welcome to. And I can give you more sort of advice if you need. Or I could do it myself. Can I do this in Bubble? Because I would, I, I would imaginably, I would need uh, two front ends, one for the ice cream van seller and one for the buyer, then, then the both will be mobile apps and they both have to think about each other's location. Um, and also then there's the, all of these question about privacy and security and all of this. Can all of these be handled by Bubble? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's... I would... go, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, um, I'm pretty sure we have users who have built um, not 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 Uber for ice cream fans. That's a really cool idea. I, I like it a lot, actually. Um, but you know, other kinds of like Uber for X or Uber for Y applications, and um, you know, we have you know we have mapping as like sort of a built-in bubble component. We have um, the ability to like real-time sync data between multiple devices, so that you know if one device is updating, you know, its coordinates or information or whatever, um, it can get pushed to other devices listening in. Um, so, yeah, this is exactly the, the kind of idea that, you know, we're, we're excited to, to see someone build, whether whether it's you or whether someone in, in the <laughs> audience uh, goes for it. I mean, it, it actually makes a lot of sense. I never thought about that before, but um, <laughs> yeah, so they just go around randomly, right? Like, with, with the, would they like to know where the customers are that um, you know are craving ice cream today? Probably make their their routes much more efficient. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I would be gutted if someone became a millionaire from this idea. <laughs> but at the same time, if I could get instant access to the information where ice cream vans are, I think it would it would uh, make me feel a little bit better. But uh, no, now that I know about Bubble, I'll probably check out how how I can do this. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it just it's just amazing how doors can open with uh, with conversation. So uh, I I have a question now. So because I read your blog, Josh, and that was about generative AI. Because ChatGPT has now come, and people can instead of using a low code app, they can just ask ChatGPT to write code and uh, build a website for them. I mean, I, I know that uh, writing code is different from building an app because you still have to host the code somewhere and you still have to figure out how will you interpret that code. But then I wanted to understand like in the age of now generative AI where creating content and creating code or creating an app has become so easy, how does Bubble fit into that picture? And is Bubble trying to compete with something like generative AI or is Bubble trying to merge with the generative AI technology and create something even better? Yeah, well, do you want do you want to take the first stab at that and jump in? Uh, no, why don't you uh, go first? Actually, <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, definitely merging is is my opinion. Like, I think um, in some ways, like no code and generative AI are trying to solve the same problem from two different angles, right? Like, generative AI is really about like 
how can a computer be less frustrating to you, right? Like you tell a computer and you get exactly what it what you tell it to do. And Share AI is actually you tell a computer and it sort of gets what you mean, which is like the thing that blew everyone away about ChatGPT. You know, like it actually sort of like understands you in a way that um, previous interactions with computers didn't. And meanwhile, no code is about what's the vocabulary you use to talk to a computer? Are you talking in like really low level, highly technical jargon? Are you talking about like, you know, what your web page looks like? What happens when people interact with it, right? Like it's the level of vocabulary. So the merger state is um, when the tool gets what you mean from a generative AI perspective and can kind of like understand your intent and then speaks back to you at that high level of abstraction. Um, that I think is like the, the sweet spot. And we're actually, that's exactly what we're trying to build right now, where we have uh, proof of concept of basically generative AI spitting out bubbles. So generating bubble applications on, on demand. And, you know, so we're still testing it internally. We haven't released it to the public yet. But we're super excited about that direction because it feels like it takes our mission and like sort of elevates that mission to to the next level. Because I, I think generative AI is great, but it's never as good as a format it spits out. You know, like uh, so the reason ChatGPT is great because it, sp it spits out text, which is our natural language, and so we can interact with them uh, or with it, I guess. <laughs> but. Um, but for, if you think about building like applications, stuff like that, like most of the things we're seeing in the market are generating code. And it, I think it's way more exciting to generate something no code because if, if it generates code, you still need to be a coder to be able to leverage these tools. And that reduces the market, uh, like the number of people that can actually interact, use these tools dramatically. If we can generate something that turns out to be something you can edit in the visual editor that you know doesn't take doesn't even talk about code because just well it's no code um then suddenly you know the number of people that can leverage these tools and create things e more easily is multiplied by probably you know a factor of 100 or something and that becomes extremely exciting that is that is so cool because yeah i mean generative ai has i mean that capability and bubble in with the generative ai can be a superpower so yeah and i think uh, it's it's a good mission like you want to enable more people to create ideas like if uh, rinath has an idea for uber for ice cream vans then you want people to be enabled by that and not restricted by technology and i think most of the technology makes uh, people scared uh, and they don't want to embrace it, uh, but things like ChatGPT and maybe Bubble can uh, help them uh, get their idea into fruition. So my next question is that once you create an app, so say say a startup wants to build an app and they use Bubble and they scale it to a certain degree, but then uh, can and maybe they become a very big uh, startup, uh, something like yourself, you started with two people and now you're 150 people. So when you reach that stage, when you have a lot of customers and you have to maintain the database and you need analytics and so forth. So what's the recommendation for you for those people who have now matured and they can they still maybe uh, have an enterprise level app uh, using bubble or then do they have to shift to something else and have you seen this uh, progression i mean I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are building websites and you would have seen a lot of people maybe creating something and then maybe moving on to something else so do you have any examples around that so we definitely want to keep people on the platform of like course. we're not yeah. to, our goal is not to be like a prototyping tool yeah we want to retain applications at the scale because 
I don't think it makes a difference. Like, you know, if we were able to help like a small team building their MVP and get their first clients, there's no reason why we can get keep them because it's still the same product. Essentially, it's just the complexity is yes. bigger because you have more users and everything, but it's something we should be solving. And, and, and also the, the truth is, Teams that start on Bubble tend to be non-technical. And so, you know, it's not because they get big that they become technical. You know, hiring engineers is hard when you're a small team. It's also hard when you're a big company. And so I think it would be very, uh, it would be us failing on them to be like, hey, you're too big now, so you should go, you know. Now, in practice, so to, to your question, I don't tell them to leave. I tell them that, you know, we're here to support them till, you know, hopefully when they get public, it was through IPO or get acquired because that's the mission uh, that we've set for ourselves. And that's why I would say most of our resources are going today on actually like uh, engineering and product resources in particular, but not only, also uh, success in helping users and making sure they can scale on the platform as far as they need to without uh, having to, you know, migrate to something else. Um, because again, this is how we can real, truly, you know, prove that, you know, it is possible to build like a significant application and a significant business on a product like ours. Um, that means sometimes, sometimes, you know, working with users. So I highly encourage anyone that's listening to us that is starting to scale, you know, to reach out to our team because we actually have an internal team whose job is only to look at, you know, scaling startups. And people often we realize that people say, Oh, had I known I would have moved, I would have stayed on bubble and they just don't know. Uh, and you know, it's on our website and our email communication, but you know how it is. Like people don't always know that. And so we definitely, like we definitely have ways to work with people. I would say, People migrate not as much as you think because it's okay. actually quite painful to rebuild everything from the ground. Like, you know, yeah. we've seen example, and that was a very long time ago. Like, so it was an example in like 2015, 2016. So, and at that time, Bubble was significantly worse than what it is today. And we had like a very large customer of ours uh, telling us, you know, they wanted to migrate. And, you know, for 18 months, we had no news about what was going on because it took them 18 months to rebuild the whole thing. And in the meantime, they kept, you know, iterating on the platform built on Bubble. Uh, and, and again, it was a long time ago. It, it is pretty difficult for people to migrate. And so people tend to stick around. That being said, that doesn't mean we don't need to improve. This is a major push for us. In fact, we announced two months ago, uh, months ago now, last, uh, last month, uh, bubble for enterprise, which is not necessarily that we're trying to sell to enterprise clients, even though, you know, that's, uh, we do have, you know, conversations with very large companies, but it's uh, our way to convey that, you know, Bubble is built for scale. And there are a few things we've announced part of this announcement, both in terms of security and compliance, but also, you know, having better controls. Because one of the things we're seeing is that when people start scaling, the teams get, gets bigger. So it's not necessarily that they need a different product in terms of their end product. It's more that they have a bigger team that is building on Bubble and they need to understand better what everybody is doing. Um, and so that's the kind of things we've announced so that people have better control. Um, and yeah, so and we're going to keep announcing this. I mean, we, Josh could be talking a little bit, uh, of, of some of our plans on the performance side. Like it's definitely something that, uh, in the coming months is going to be, uh, one of our first topics, uh, for, for a topic of interest because, uh, we, we know this matters to our users as a scale. And the great news with our model is that when we solve like a scalability problem for one particular client, we solve it for everyone because, you know, it's one engine that is for like the millions of applications that we have. And as a result, it's a high ROI for us to work on those things because we never solve the problem for just one user. We solve it for everyone. 
The other thing I'd say is like, you know, we've uh, had many examples of companies, you know, going from Series A to Series B, like raising money, growing on, on, on top of our platform, you know, today. And we're, you know, we, we I think Amal mentioned we launched uh, an enterprise plan, you know, we're working with like, you know, massive corporations as well with like, you know, everything that implies in terms of, you know, security regulations, stuff like that. Um, and we think it's very attractive for companies to stand us as they as they grow because frankly like you know if your app is built on bubble you your costs are lower you move faster as a team so you know everyone's incentive is to stay on the platform and you know we try to be a very open platform it's very easy to connect bubble apps to other uh surfaces and connect bubble apps to you know external databases so it's easy to like start with the bubble tech stack and if there is something that you need code for you can you can hook it up but the the core application um you know i think a lot of our users really love seeing it grow on bubble itself because it keeps them very fast very flexible and, and very nimble as as companies right right so as uh, i mean from uh, in the beginning it was uh, I'm, I'm assuming it was a lot simpler than the, the 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 offerings that you have now so now you have so many different things in different platforms mobile apps and web apps and all of these different scaling up solutions and everything so now it has become uh while low code while a, a regular person can just probably use it to build their their idea on but it still has enough of an offering that it would be a complex task to know about all everything about bubble so do you guys have like also a like a training platform or a certification or something similar that someone could be like a bubble expert or do you want to in future what yes um i, I mean with some caveats so we, we have uh, an academy with a lot of like training material for people and I strongly encourage everyone who starts on bubble to look at that early in their journey and not go straight in the product and start building like it's there's definitely some learning curve like for a couple of hours and I think it's well invested time uh looking at the content that we have that being said where we see tremendous success actually is people in our ecosystem creating some content and teaching people uh how to use bubble and we see that uh, we have a very global user base uh part of the reason being we're very community driven and so it starts in countries that we didn't necessarily think of i mean countries uh, the us is actually I mean, it's about like 35% of our business, which sounds high, but for US companies, it's actually very small uh, for companies that were started in the US. And we have like very big communities, you know, in India, Brazil, France, United Kingdom, Japan. And a lot of these countries actually have their own training centers, uh, not run by us. And that's something that we're very comfortable and encourage, uh, encouraging. We're encouraging people to start their own things because they usually know how to teach bubble in a way that is more uh, localized. Some of it by, for obviously being the language part uh, that I think works uh, very well in many places. So um, you have multiple ways to learn. Either you learn on your on your own uh, with our self-serve content, or there are many people that can help you. We also see colleges teaching. So one thing that we're not letting the community handle, uh, because you're talking about that, and that's something very important, is the certification side, because we think that we are uniquely positioned and we should really own that. Like we're uniquely positioned to know who's good at Bubble and not good at Bubble. And so we've released a Bubble a certification for people that are using Bubble that want to know how good they are. They can go to bubble.io slash certification. And, you know, there is an exam uh, to be certified. 
Uh, and that's something that we're going to keep investing on because it is really important for us to ensure that as we grow and we see more and more people offering bubble services, like building stuff for others, either on a contractor basis or on a full-time basis, and we see people looking for bubble developers for their application, it's important for us to ensure that there is some level of quality um, and uh, certification is the right way to do that. So that's something we're going to keep pushing, uh, pushing on because the trustworthiness of the platform is really dependent on the trustworthiness of the ecosystem. And that's something that uh, certification programs do very well. Absolutely. No, that's, that's actually really nice to know. And uh, hopefully our audience will be quite inspired to know about it if they are doing already and then uh, sort of get themselves onto, onto sort of learning more and uh, going through the right, right uh, order of learning and then uh, making their ideas come into reality. And I would be really interested to know. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah, to our audiences, definitely reach out and I'm sure I can also redirect them to, um, to you guys as well. If you have any really good ideas or if you've built a product uh, on Bubble that you was successful or not successful, um, <laughs> it could still be a, a good example of how a, um, uh, a, a solution like this can be used. So, um, yeah, definitely invite yeah. all our audience I'm, to do that. One pattern we've seen, uh, we've seen a ton actually is someone coming to bubble with an idea of a company that did not work out because, you know, there are a lot of reasons why companies don't work out. Uh, but they were able to build their product successfully on bubble. And then, uh, what they become is bubble freelancers or start even bubble agencies. Uh, so, um, that that's one way you know you can kill one bird with two uh, two birds with one stone because you get to start your idea uh, on bubble and try something and if it doesn't work you actually acquire very valuable skill i mean there is today like a big shortage of talent in the bubble ecosystem uh, which is why we started the certification by the way because when you have a shortage a lot of people say they are good and they're not necessarily good and that's why we need to certify them uh but this is the pattern we've seen like hundreds of times at this point like some of the biggest bubble agencies in the world have been started by people trying something uh startup ideas that didn't work and uh they moved to uh, being full-time freelancers wow yeah, oh. yeah that's uh... Yeah, I think that's uh, another interesting things, uh, Sorry. Uh, one of the things I notice is the community because when we stumbled upon all these problems uh, ourselves while building the app on Bubble, we used to go to the community and look for solutions. And I think the community is quite active and they are like giving out solutions and telling you, okay, use this, do that. This is how you solve it. So I think the community part of Bubble is quite active. And I think that is uh, something that people should also look into. Like if they get stuck onto a problem, they should explore the community of uh, Bubble as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Really, yeah, go on. Sorry, Manuel. No, no, I was saying it hundred percent. I mean, that, in fact, uh, the, the conference we did, uh, like three, two days ago now was all about that, like getting the community together and it's, it's, it's more vivid than ever. Wow. Amazing. No, I'm actually quite, uh, inspired myself. I definitely want to check out how, how it all works and whether I can figure it out. And, uh, thank you for the, for the tip of going through the, 
So <laughs> through the tutorials first, I, I usually have this bad habit of just, you know, I think I can figure it out. I mean, I, when I buy IKEA furniture, I, I don't look at the manual, but then I eventually do have to look at the manual. So yes, no, this time I'm going to, I'm going to look at the tutorials first. So, um, before we wrap it up, I mean, this was, this was an amazing conversation. I learned a lot and it was, it was, uh, really good to, to know the, all the aspects of, of bubble and obviously you know one thing we all know uh, that it's a low code solutions for you know scaled up businesses i mean possibilities are endless but um i mean obviously you could say that that's the usp of bubble but is there any other sort of uh usp you would like to sort of for all of us to know that that bubble is and rest of uh, rest of everyone isn't Yeah, I mean, I think like the the really core use cases of Bubble, right? Like helping entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are not necessarily just starting and scaling up companies, right? Like an entrepreneur can be a nonprofit founder. An entrepreneur can be a person in a larger company building like a tool to help them do their job or you know, some part of a, a larger company, right? Like um, what I'd say is, Bubble is a tool for creators who are trying to bring something new into the world software-wise, um, but but where that person lives can be pretty expansive, right? They're not necessarily, you know, your, your prototypical, like, you know, venture-backed startup founder, and we're excited to support, you know, all of those use cases. Perfect. One last question that just came to me. Um, how about games? Uh, web app games and mobile games. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't try to like use Bubble to make a Doom clone, like anything like super, you know, graphics intensive or frame rate intensive is probably not in our sweet spot, but we've seen a lot of games that are like more like, you know, text exploration or, you know, online card games or anything where like the graphics don't have, aren't, aren't the core of what you're trying to create. Um, yeah, we, we've seen people do it with Bubble. Uh, I I do think I saw one building a Flappy Bird once uh, <laughs> on Bubble. So when you really know how to use Bubble and combine the different things that we have, uh, you can do a lot of things, actually. Uh, but yes, uh, Josh is right. It's not the primary use case like platform games. So, I mean, uh, following on from uh, games, I just thought, okay, what about Metaverse? Can we create apps for Metaverse on Bubble? Or is that something that's still not possible and maybe it'll happen in the future? Yeah, ask us in uh, 2026 and we'll get back to you on oh, that Oh, So you have a deadline. <laughs> cool, cool. So I think uh, 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 we got most of the answers to the questions that we had. So thank you so much for your time and thank you so much uh, for coming on our show. I think it was really valuable listening to your journey and then uh, what Bubble can do for people and how you uh, and your team can help people scale up. Uh, because I think um, we had the same issue and maybe I'll approach you guys <laughs> to solve some of our challenges. Uh, but I think it is uh, quite relevant in this world where there are so many options and people get overwhelmed with technology and having a very simple solution to uh, get their idea onto the web is uh, really important and very empowering. 
um, and uh, it's important. And and you mentioned that the, you have a lot of customers in India and Bangladesh and uh, Africa, Brazil, etc. And most of our, our audiences are actually in those countries and they are looking uh, to use technology in a way, uh, I mean, they they would know about technology but they don't know the possibilities of the technology and and you coming on our show and showing them and telling them okay yeah you can do this you can do that these are the possibilities i think that's uh, quite helpful so thank you so much for coming do you have any last messages for our audiences i think the thought uh, i'd end on is um our our mission as a company is empowerment like we're about sort of as you said like showing people the the possibilities of technology and helping them create stuff and you know, a lot of our users who, you know, I met a bunch of them in person, you know, a couple of days ago at a, at a conference told me like they didn't think it was possible for them to be software creators, right? They didn't see themselves in the shoes of someone doing what they did. And they look back on them and they're like, wow, how did, how did I get here? So I guess the party thought would be, you know, if, if you have that little itch, like maybe I want to try it, try it, right? Because there's plenty of people who thought it was totally impossible for them and they did anyway. So that, that, that's the last thought I, I, I would leave. Yeah. I mean, really, and we're here to help, you know, if people were, our role is to partner with people as a start companies and, you know, grow on us. So, you know, ultimately their success is our success. So, you know, we'll do whatever we can to help. So don't hesitate, you know, you should try, you know, that's really what we're here for. And if we can help reach out. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you again, you guys, for uh, coming on this show. And this this was I, it was really eye opening and insightful conversation for me. And hopefully, our audience enjoys it as well. Please do give us any feedback uh, to our audience. Uh, if and if you have any questions relating to Bubble in particular, we can redirect those questions to you guys and uh, potentially get some direct answers from the founders. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks again, Josh and Emmanuel. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye.